0: This morning we are going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Now when we were at man camp this past week, the very first speaker, I kid you not, got up and read the scripture that I was going to preach on. And I just said, guys, I'm just going to have to apologize in advance because I ain't changing because everybody else there is going to need to hear it too, Okay. Uh, but actually, this sermon is a little different. Let me know that the Word of God applies to our lives right where we are. It is the living Word of God. Amen. It's powerful uh, and it's an amazing Word. First Samuel chapter 17. We're only going to read the first four verses, but I'm going to refer to the whole story. How many have ever read or heard the story of David and Goliath? Let's read them together. Says now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle. They gathered to battle. battle. And were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah. They encamped between Soko and Azekah in Ephestamon. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together. And they encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side. And Israel stood on a mountain on the other side with a valley in between. Say a valley in between. a valley in between. And a champion, say champion. Champion. A champion went out from the camp of the Philistines, named Goliath from Gad, whose height was six cubits and a span. So as we look at this seventeenth chapter of 1 Samuel. What I first want us to look at is the scene. You have the Philistines on one mountain, and you have the children of God, the army of Israel, on the other mountain, and there's a valley in between. You see, many times we read scripture and and we really don't pick out those little things because the little things make the difference. But the valley—I mean, those forever two mountains. There's a valley, I and mean, can I tell you, if you're in the valley, just get ready because another mountain's got to be around somewhere. Amen. But the valley is important here, and, and they were gathered there. The Philistines came to do battle. Your enemy, the devil, is no joke. He's real. Uh, he has uh, come to steal to kill and to destroy the yes uh, he's no joke and he he comes a, against us and we look here and it tells us that the Philistines were encamped at Soko and you can stop right there and say what, what I don't care what does that matter which belonged to Judah can I tell you that the devil's nothing but a poacher a poacher is. Uh, I had to write it down because this came to me a little bit later. A person is a uh, who is a poacher encroaches or usurps another person's rights. Israel held Soko and held uh, this place, and it was theirs. But they had allowed the enemy to come in and to steal. Somebody said, I'll take it back what the enemy stole this morning. And so we see that. And, and then what I want you to know is that the devil's a poacher. If God has given it to you and he has declared it to you in his word, then the, the devil can just simply take his hands off of it uh, and we can stand upon the authority and the power that God has given to us. Uh, somebody say, I'm taking back my territory this morning. Uh, And the devil is nothing more than a poacher. Here is Israel and the Philistines in a standoff. One on this mountaintop. One on this mountaintop. And the valley in between. And they had been there 40 days. Now in the Bible, 40 days is significant. Because... God seems to move and change the situation and intervene many, many times in 40 days. You read it throughout the scripture. And it was prime time for God to step in and to defeat the enemy and to move and to give back the territory that the Israelites had already owned. 40 days. It seems that God always... Uh, intervenes and he initiates a significant change in 40 days. But what's so important about this valley of Ullah? If the Philistines were able to take this valley, then they were, would be able to advance on to Bethlehem, and there they would be able to spread all across Israel. It was a strategic battle, I want you to know. Uh, If the Philistines were were to overcome Israel, then it would be much easier for them to go and take all of the rest of the territory. They were in a standoff. That's why you see David's oldest three brothers there. Because if they were successful, the Philistines were successful in Elah, then their hometown, Bethlehem, was ripe for invasion. Can I tell you, you need to stand up for your home place? Amen. Amen. You, men, especially, we, we've heard this all weekend long. Stand up for your family. Stand up for God. Take your rightful place. Don't let the enemy come in and take your family from you and abuse your family, but take your authority in the Lord. So they were protecting their homes. Forty days. If you don't think forty days is a long time, try fasting for forty days. Amen. Forty days, evening and morning, this giant, this Goliath, shows up and he defies the armies of Israel and he defies the God of Israel and he challenges them. Send me one man. Somebody say one man. One man. Send me one man that he would fight against me, and if. You win, then we'll be your servants. But if we win, then you will be our servants. Are you up for the challenge? Can I tell you that you can never trust what the devil tells you? For when Israel did win this battle, and they did, the enemy didn't say, Okay, we're going to be your servants. They ran for their lives. I say the enemy's a liar. And he's the father of all lies. The Bible tells Here is this massive giant, this massive man. And, and uh, if you read your commentaries, they would say that he uh, was something like eight foot five to nine foot nine. He is a massive, uh, huge specimen uh, of a man, not just big but gigantic compared to David. His weapons weighed one hundred and fifty to two hundred pounds. And it says of Goliath that he was the listing champion. Man, I wish I had some rocky music on right now. (laughs) You know, the the, the challenge. uh, Here is this giant of a man who stands up before all of Israel, and he declares that that he's defying God, and he's defying the armies of Israel. And he's saying, can 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 I just give you a picture? He's pounding his chest, and he's saying, I defy you, I defy your God. Somebody sent somebody to challenge He's there, and every day for 40 days, Israel came out, dressed in their battle armor. They lined up. They prepared for battle. There is a difference between putting on the army array and actually fighting. Can put on your Christian clothes on Sunday morning and come to church and never really be in the army of the Lord. You can pretend you can even read your Bible, but are you committed to the Lord that you are a part of His army? And, and I imagine that here in Israel, they come out and, and they're already, and, and the Bible tells us they're even whooping and hollering and cheering. And, but you can say anything with your mouth and not do it with power and not do it with authority and not actually uh, the Bible says that faith without works is dead. Dead. So we're called to be uh, champions for the Lord. This Israelite army dressed in battle gear. The Israelite army dressed in their battle gear. I wonder how many times we come and we're dressed in our Christian gear but we're not really a part of the army. How how many times do we get all dressed up and, and ready, but we don't really do what God's called us to do? I wonder sometimes. Here are these Israelites, intimidated, fear and confusion all around them. Can I tell you that fear and confusion are the tactics of the devil? And here's Saul, the king of Israel. And he has reason to be afraid more than any of them. For well, the Bible tells us that he was head and shoulders above everybody. Uh, if I had Josh come up here, you would see that he's pretty much head and shoulders above me. He is a, a, a this giant is a, is a massive man and, and the king of Israel, he's is the biggest of the Israelites. And it should have been him to face off against Goliath. He should have been considered the champion, but he was not. Why? Hear me. This is is one of the most important things you'll hear today. Because the Spirit of the Lord has departed from him. If you don't have the Spirit of God in you fighting for you, giving you the courage, helping you to win this battle, you'll never make it. And when that happens, just like Saul, when the Spirit left him, so did his courage. And he's trying to recruit everybody and anybody to go fight Goliath. When it should have been him. You know, and along comes the beloved David. The little shepherd boy. Sent by his father, Jesse. Bring the boys some bread. and Some cheese. And, and uh, go down and give me some news from the battlefront. Go down there and, and, and talk with them. And see what's going on. And David comes. And he sees this pathetic... Of Israel, that's all dressed up, all kinds of places that they ought to be going, but they're frightened out of their mind and stepping back every time Goliath comes to speak a word. Sorry, gentlemen who were there. All Goliath had done at this point was just talk. That's all he had done. He hadn't exhibited any strength, any power, he hadn't come after Israel. Can I tell you that the devil likes to talk, but he doesn't always uh, come, uh, he doesn't always have the power to do what he declares that he has to do. And here is David, he comes, he sees this pathetic army of God, he hears Goliath's words, the challenge, and he discovers that Saul has offered a reward to the man who will fight Goliath. He said, your family ain't going to have to pay no taxes. Who would be signing up for that this morning? And, that's a good reward. That's a, that's a you. And you're going to give this lovely princess my daughter. I ain't going to sign up for that because i already got one wife. That's enough. <laughs> but, but maybe you young men might like sign up for the princess. You know what I'm saying? That reward. And David is inquiring. What is this story? What is this that he's offering? And his oldest brother finds out and he said you came down here because you're full of pride and you just wanted to find out the story but David wasn't full of pride David had a different motivation he looks at his brother and he says what have I done now is there not a cause I want you to understand that there is a cause uh, it's not just about getting dressed up and, and ready for church and uh, having on your Christian attire. It's yeah. not about that. But there is a cause. And I've told you many times that the cause is that people come to know the living, saving Lord, Jesus Christ, yeah. who yeah. shed his yeah. blood yeah. with them yeah. and to make right. get saved yeah. and brought from one kingdom yep. into another. Look at your neighbor say, there's a cause. There's a cause. And that's David's motivation. Not his own safety, not his own personal glory, but the glory and the cause of God. Saul received some good news. Can you imagine? He scared out his lips. He gets some good news. Somebody has volunteered. The Lord! I I don't have to fight that big old boy. Uh, But the good news turned into bad news when he found out it was a little shepherd boy. And can I tell you that Saul was not oppressed with David? Not yet. He's just a boy. You will not be able to fight him. You gotta watch who you got by your side, because they will whisper things in your ear and tell you stuff that ain't true. Yeah. I'm here to tell you today that you can fight the enemy with God on your side and you can be victorious and you can do what God's called you to do. What did you ever say? We can. We can. He said, this giant has been a soldier longer than you have been alive. And David said, but I remember. You need to remember. I talked about remembering in our communion service." Remember the victories that God has given to you. Remember how he stepped in. Remember how he empowered you to do things that you felt like were impossible. Am I preaching this morning? Well? And David said, I remember that there was a time whenever uh, there was a lion uh, and a time that there was a bear that came after the sheep, but I grabbed that old lion by the jaw and I He's no different. He'll end up with yeah, the yeah. same thing. This powerful young boy, and I tell you that Saul thought he wasn't prepared, but God had already been preparing him. Can I just meddle a little bit? So many times we say, "Oh, I've just overcome uh, the, the, the circumstances and the situations in my life." And I just know if I'm going to make it, Pastor. God is preparing you to win the battle. It's just a lion. It's just a bear. But the giant is on his way. And guess what? The good news is, you're going to be prepared. Now I say, send me the battle. Saul believed there's no way that David could win. But David knew there was no way he could lose. Saul wasn't convinced that uh, what David had to offer was enough. So he said, here, won't you take my armor? But David tried it on, and it didn't fit him right. And it was I don't know if it was too big, but what I want you to know that it was an armor that he had not tested, and he had not tried. But what I also want you to know is that David didn't go into the battle naked. He went into the battle in a spiritual armor. Prepared for battle. Ready because of what he had been through, armed with the word of God and armed with uh, this uh, intent and this motivation for God's glory. You see, we need to be more familiar with the weapons of the spirit than the weapons of the flesh. Uh, the weapons of the flesh. We don't fight with people. We don't fight flesh and blood, but we fight against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. We, yeah. we fight, we have a spiritual armor that we have been able to put on. And so David goes and what he has tested: his staff. That trusted staff of his that he had gotten the, the sheep out of trouble with, that he had guided them and pulled them out of danger with. Five smooth stones. I don't have time for to talk about the five stones, but his shepherd's bag and his sling and a whole lot of faith. And he began to put that rock, that stone, into that sling and he began to whirl it. Whirl it, whirl it, whirl it because he had tested this. This was his, arm, it was his weapon of choice and he's doing this number. And I can imagine as Goliath looks at him, what in the world is he going to do with that little person? And all of a sudden, that stone kept getting larger and larger and (laughs) larger. And it sinks into the skull of the giant. Knocks him forward. Now tell me, would a stone not hit in your head? Would it not normally knock you backwards? But the giant fell forward bowing to the same God that he had previously purchased. You see, you don't need the weapons of the flesh. You don't need man's protection. You need God on your side. So David took these stones and his, his faith, and he killed the giant. And, and all the time, uh, he's, he's believing that God is moving on his behalf. David was an insult to this large giant. It didn't look like it was a fair fight, can I tell you, it wasn't. But it was not a fair fight in the opposite direction. Because the king of glory, the almighty Jehovah God, was with David. And when David uh, let loose of that stone, I believe that the power of God got behind it. And it yeah. began to propel it, and it moved, and, and it stuck right in the strategic place of To knock this giant forward. Somebody say it's not a fair fight. Because I'm going to every time with the Lord. The Bible says that God before you, who could be against you? David wasn't afraid. He was on mission. He knew that the battle belonged to the Lord. Can you say that with me? The battle belongs to the Lord. It's his battle. And when I step in. Especially if I step in and fear, then I need to let God take control. The battle is the Lord's; belongs to Him. And and if you look at the scripture, it tells us that David didn't kind of sneak up on the giant; he ran towards him. I can imagine that young man. Uh, here's the giant he's too, too big and too bulky to run he's too big and too bulky to get out of the way and, and his head is so big that there's no way that David can miss and he lets loose of the stone you see that day when David killed the giant he hit him with the stone and I believe it just knocked him out and then he took the sword of Goliath used the enemy's weapon on itself and cut off his head we need to make sure that the enemy is fully defeated. Don't leave them alive to continue to do battle Now, we all know this story. It's a great victory. It's a, a, a wonderful day for Israel. And we celebrate that even today. But it's not a greater victory than Jesus won at the cross. David's victory over Goliath was nothing but a foreshadowing and an advanced picture of the victory that Jesus would win on the cross. A champion is one who fights alone, single-handedly representing his nation or his kingdom. And if the warring nation agrees, then a great deal of bloodshed can be avoided. And I tell you that at the cross, a great deal of bloodshed was avoided. For you and I deserve to be on the house. It was our sin that put him there. A champion. The Greek word for champion means servant. A great man or a servant. It is amazing in the kingdom of God that a great man is not the one who has uh, necessarily the following, but who is the biggest servant of all. A champion. But what I love about the word champion in the Greek, it simply means this, the man in the middle. The man in the middle. Here's David standing in the middle between the two opposing armies, but here is Jesus on the middle cross uh, between the armies of Satan and and his kingdom, and he is the one who is the champion in the middle. Amen. David Petillo wrote a song called the man in the middle it simply says I love that man in the middle because I know he first loved me praise to the man who died on Mount Calvary for the middle man made it possible that I could go free today we thank God for the middle man Jesus he's our champion he won the battle and the victory for us. If you're a note-taker, take notes fast because I'm going to try to do this quickly. D- David and Jesus parallel. Look at this. Both represented their people, and whatever happened to the representative happened to God's people. Because David was victorious, Israel was victorious. Because Jesus won the battle, we are victorious. Somebody give the Lord of God. David and Jesus both fought on ground that uh, they had lost, uh, that had been lost, I should say, and that originally belonged to the kingdom of God. Both David and Jesus were sent to the battle by the Father. Both David and Jesus were rejected by their own people. Both David and Jesus used a strategy that was not a human strategy. Both David and Jesus assured the victory before it even started. No doubt. Last one. Both David and Jesus rescued their people from captivity.